Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Paris Kokinos, welcome to The Mentor Show, mate. Thanks, Mark. Excited to be here. So what got you into... Drone technology. I've come from a family of technologists, you could say. My grandfather migrated to Australia in the early 40s um, and was working in radio, um, specifically 2GB, and when that was all rolling out. And he was just a radio operator and got into engineering um, and he was fell into a role engineering on ships. Um, but on really, ships. Yeah, on ships, so like mechanical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what that unfolded for the family is my grandfather actually then jumped back into the radio and started a business called Paris Radio Electronics. So, um, as in car radios, and uh, no, so two two way radios. So two way radio two communi- communications was something that was progressing. Um, and I've I've come from that sort of family that's been in amongst communications and how that um, all unfolds. And that business still runs today. My dad runs that. Um, and that's how I've fallen into this seat. But to talk more to the drone point, I'd fly drones on a Sunday with my dad, well, helic- model helicopters with my dad. I was probably age six, seven. Um, so this was a hobby of my dad's and then I'd crash them, fix me my grandfather's workshop where he was doing all the radio communication repairs and then fly them again on the Sunday, crash them. And then in 2019, after I gave away all my rugby and all that kind of stuff with school, I um I said, Dad, hey, there's a bit of a something going on. So this is like 2012, 2013. There's something going on with drones. Your website's absolutely shocking. Let me see if I can do something with it. And can I have ten thousand dollars? He sat back and was like, Oh, geez, <laughs> ten grand. I don't know about that. And um, yeah, he believed me. And I bought four drones, and in a week, I sold those four drones in an e-commerce platform that I installed Shopify, and I was on my way. So. You know, that, that's interesting. So one of the things about drones, helicopters, um, this is really about radio-controlled equipment. So because you control the, the drone and or the helicopter when you're a kid, you control through radio waves yeah. and radio frequency, yep. So th- which is your dad's territory. It's like just a two-way radio, just that it's not talking to you. You're, yeah. talk, you're, you're directing it as opposed to talking to it because yeah. there's no one else in on the other side. Is that a good way of describing? That's Yeah, it's fantastic. So like before radio, there was a control line. So you used to walk around in circles and just that's how it was working before and then it, and it transmitted into the transmission and how, um, yeah, drones are now being communicated just similar to our, our iPhones and our telephones are communicating to a tower. It's like a you've got a remote control communicating to the drone, but yeah. Do you use satellites yet? Does it mean is so there- satellite's still quite expensive. So for a lot of industries, it's um, still one of those things that's 
building um, as an application. But a lot of all a lot of the organisations that are operating these technologies right now are in this PlayStation generation where you're from your remote controller to your drone and you can see it within a line of sight. But in the next five six years, this acceleration of autonomous systems and how we're communicating with these systems is going to remove that person that's behind the stick, so to speak, and operate in a um, autonomous state. So, and that can occur via satellite. It can occur via the same way our telephones work, five G, um, but then even Wi Fi. So, some of the big mining companies have Wi Fi set up across their network. So, using those networks to have the drones control over. In terms of comms, is it like using a mobile phone? The mobile phone connects to the tower, the tower then connects to the to the device, or is it like? Using um, Starlink, whatever it is, and just you're just using data the whole time. Yeah, it's peer to peer, so it's like remote control to drone. That's right. how it's working right now. Right. Future state is you're going to have these these pieces like a an antenna network or a, um, a telecommunications tower that acts as the conduit between the drone and it's not even going to be a remote control. It's going to be a computer. So, so how do you mean? Yeah, so the way those things get controlled is fundamentally through a computer. So when you click enter on a keyboard, it loads the website. When you click enter on a drone application, it sends the drone to a location that you have established. And you preset. Preset. And I guess the the way that I kind of try and communicate it in the best way possible is like we've got Google Maps. You want to go from your house to your son's house. Or you want to go to your daughter's house. Wherever you want to go, you're entering in a location. You're going to that location. It's going to take you around a route. Fundamentally, copy and paste that to the way the concept of autonomous drones are working. But your iPhone, if we're going to have a look at the iPhone, for example, your iPhone is computing that um, and it's computing that with Google's map. So you enter in address, goes to Google's computer, Google sends you back, hey, this is your location. That's how this whole autonomous way is going to work. And if we look at certain industries and how these industries are working, drone delivery, it's like we know where your front door is because Google Maps knows where your front door is. We're going to send a drone from a hub of drones to the door of your house. And that's going to go through a compute and a computer, so to speak, and send the drone after the enter key is pressed, so to speak. Okay. So let's just go back a few thing, a few steps, Paris. So yeah. you said you got interested in being involved in uh, drone industry because you sort of maybe think there's an opportunity here. What you effectively did though was you bought some four drones, borrowed some data for your old man, bought four drones. Yeah. And then resold them. So you, you were basically reselling and yep. using Shopify. You had a website. Yep. You're just a reseller, not just reseller. You're a reseller, okay? Because yep. most people don't know where to buy a drone anyway. And you used um, probably did a bit of marketing, told people where to go to. What happened after that? Did you continue on in that process, yeah. or do you would you get move more into consulting yeah. and or services? So it was interesting. Like the first big milestone for us. So we we're very much that distribution play. So we we're selling, buying and selling reselling. equipment, reselling. Correct. Um, just a margin game. But for us, our business transformed after an engagement that I got introduced by a tutor of mine at UNSW um, and introduced me to Sydney Water. And Sydney Water were like, hey, we want to build and design a drone that is capable of sampling water. And at that time, I was completing my thesis and I was doing this concept of building a payload underneath. Um, and the payloads are the thing that you mount underneath it, similar to what a camera looks like. And that was the, the the first transformation piece for us to get into this advisory type of, of work. Services. Yeah, services. Um, so we built a system. So I studied industrial design at UNSW and I built a system, 3D printed it on my 3D printer, built it, and we were running a service contract with um, Sydney Water, which we still do today, to sample and water test and, and 
sample the water um, that the drone sits under. And that's a product that's now turned and spun out of our out of our remit and is being distributed in a global setting right now today. Let's say Warragamba Dam. Yep. How do you work out what type of drone you need to have? It's less about the drone and more so around the environmental conditions that you're operating in. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is like how much do they need to carry? Yeah, so what's um, the load? Exactly. So what's the load? And in that sense, Sydney Water Camps today, we need just to capture two litres, which is two litres, two kilos. Okay, cool. So then we then we found the drone after that. How's it work? Tell me how it goes. Yeah, so um, I just suck the water up. Yeah, so we've built a pump mechanism. It's similar to like the way we they transplant blood. It's using a peristaltic pump, sucks the water up, pops it into um, the container. Yep. And fundamentally, there's a hose end that gets into the water um, and at the same time it measures the temperature, the salinity and the turbidity. So you have a bit of sensor, sensor tech. Sensor tech in the bottom of the hose end. The data gets captured. It then goes into the computer and stores it similar to the way we saw a photograph in our phone. So it immediately gets sent. Yep, correct. And it gets captured there and then when the drone comes back, we can then take out the SD card or automatically upload it to the cloud. Right, okay. You, you know, you designed something you can sit underneath a drone and you've got a drone that can carry that that weight. So you've designed some canisters or whatever it is that collects a couple of litres of water. But at the same time, you've got uh, some sort of microprocessor sitting there which is collecting data. So you've got a sensor that checks temperature. What else? Salinity. Salinity. salinity and turbidity. What's that? Um, so the clarity and the clarity right. of the water. Yeah. Okay, so it dips its sensor into the water. Yep. Yeah. It's basically a probe. Yep, and whilst it's sucking as well. So sucking water out of one, one section and it's probing in another section yeah. and it's collecting information about that yeah. those those three those three aspects you want to know about. The sensor sends it off to a microprocessor. The microprocessor then uh, grabs the information, yeah. splits it up and sends it into your memory card. How much does one of those drones cost? Like, what um, are they worth? So it's anywhere between five and $10,000 for the drone and then right. you can probably – a lot of the time it's a one-for-one. One. So you buy the drone for five, you're spending about five on a payload. So around $20,000 for this turnkey. Yep. What's the life of one of these drones? Similar to our cars and our – if you maintain them um, and there's rigorous maintenance process, especially when you're flying over salt water, um, it, they can last up to around five to seven years. So the, the usable life is quite sustained. That's sustain. good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, you, get your, you get your payback yep. reasonably quickly, assuming your clients. You're on the shore. Yep. One of your guys then um, sticks into his laptop or I guess he's yep. carrying a laptop and then um, you immediately transfer that through the internet back up to wherever it's got to go Correct. to. So and the analysis of the water, you then uh, yep. put, put put a lid on the water, you seal it, yep. and you take it back to yep. Sydney Water or wherever yep. you store it. Then you send it to Sydney Water. So there's majority of the time there's a Sydney Water technician there as well that will sample the sample immediately, just because it, it loses its um, there's a there's a piece of the sample they need yeah. then and there, yeah. and then the rest of it goes back to the lab. It's, it's pretty curious. I mean, these are sorts of things that Sydney Water probably used to have to um, get on a rowboat. Yeah. Row out in the middle of the Warragamba Dam. Four people. Four, four people, yeah. Safety, security, regulatory yeah. shit and all that stuff. And then they have to pick the water, put it in the bottles yeah. and then uh, row back, <laughs> get off the shore there, yeah. et cetera. And then this, I guess this is pretty good stuff where it's inaccessible, uh, like inaccessible yeah. water places like yeah. the Cooks River or something like that where you don't want yeah. to put a rowboat into. But even there's um, like up, at, up in Vaucluse, there's that off that offshoot there which has got um, – there's runoff and, and spill off there that, and they're obviously worried about Bondi Beach and all that kind of stuff. So there's also big cliff faces so you've got to put the boat in at Rose Bay, drive it all the way around, yeah. sample, then all the way back and then you're in the headlands and there's a range of different – yeah, risk factors associated. Yeah, lots, of, lots of constraints yeah. Yeah. in terms of efficiency. How far can a drone go out? Right now, legislation's restricting these things. So it's all within line of sight. 
that's just pretty cool. So uh, drone technology in a commercial sense yep. is now your biggest part of the business? Yeah, it is our business. It is very your, much. So you don't do the reselling? So we still do the distribution. Um, so we look after a lot of large fleets um, in Australia. So we rolled out Surf Lifesaving Australia's drone program from nothing to 250 drones across our coastlines and our beaches. But um, like, for example, them and those sort those organisations, they like acquiring their equipment. Um, but for us, where our bread and butter is, is all in the managed services and making sure that they're well supported. So as soon as something crashes, new units out there, we yeah. hot swap it, we service maintain it, swap it back out. And also, you got the you've got the you've got the team to run the technology too. Exactly right. So we've got the field operations team that go out and do trainings, proof of concepts, all sorts of contract work like this Sydney Water stuff. Um, but a lot of our stuff now is around how we're building a solution for. Um, for an organisation to manage the regulatory compliance because that is probably one of the biggest inhibitors for like the accessibility to the drone industry at the moment, especially within that industrial setting. How do you mean? So manned aviation, our aeroplanes that are flying are all operating under a licence and you can treat the drone industry very much like the manned aviation industry. So Qantas has a licence to operate commercially and their pilots have licenses, copy paste of the drone industry. So for us as a business, we have a license to operate and then all of our pilots and our team that operate these things commercially have their licenses. So getting that uplifted, there's a lot of additional things that come along with that. Um, so record keeping, who flew, where did the drone fly, how long did it fly for? Training, training accreditations. maintenance of the drones. Upgrades of their training, professional development. All that sort of yeah, stuff. So that's the regulatory environment which you now live in. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, how many years now have you been at this? Um, I've been, 10? I started, yeah, I started in 2013, 2014. Yeah. So it's, we're, we're pushing on 10 years now. Um, yeah. So it's been a, a gradual, gradual growth period. I mean, it's been completely organic to ourselves. Did you do 10,000 back to your debt? No. No way. Oh, serious? Yeah. That's oh. not like a Greek father. They never <laughs> would never let you get away with something like that. Yeah, no, he's um they'll keep reminding you that oh, he does. it's now worth twenty because uh, you know, there's interest and stuff like that accruing. And the rest. And the rest. Yeah. The industry has moved a long way from consumer recreational yeah. use of drones. I often get uh dudes, there's usually blokes, um, with uh and I, I hear drones hovering above my house. Yeah. And I'm always wondering what the fuck they're looking at. And uh what what are the rules about that? The mantra very, very from the very very beginning is thirty meters from people, places, and buildings. Does he or she have to be thirty meters away from people? Is the, the drone the drone itself? Well, and so if it's up fifty meters high, it's always yeah. thirty meters away from me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but they can look at anything. Can they hover over a house? Well, this is where privacy then comes into play, and that's another part of this work. And the recreational side of the business is very much exposed to that or the recreational side of the industry is very much exposed to that but when you start getting to those industrial things it's really it's it's removed from that because they're all within confined environments and confined and it's heavily locations. regulated correct and yeah. if you don't do it if you don't do it within the regulations you won't get the next job correct how big is the recreational is it, is it a big deal or people yeah. it didn't take off like everyone expected it to yeah so there's in australia alone there's the best part of as it is today there's around 30,000 commercial operations in Australia. If we look at what the recreational side, there's probably 100, 110,000 drones in market. We fast forward what that looks like into 2030 and beyond. There's 110,000 drones that will be operating in our commercial space and probably 300, 400,000 worth of recreational drones, which is quite a sizable amount of um, drones. But I think there's a lot of work that the regulators still have to do to be able to manage all that kind of stuff. But 
Yeah, there's some interesting technologies that are coming out like drone detection and all those sorts of things that um, they're, they're leaning on to make sure that they can manage it appropriately. I, I know the coppers use drones yep. and they send them up so high no one could see them. Yep. I mean, I don't know. How, how high is that? Is that a kilometre? How high is yeah. it? It's got to go that I can't see a drone or uh, hear it. I would say about 80 metres, 90 metres. Uh, it's not that bad, but um, the, the the ceiling limit without an approval is 120 metres. Like that's from a regulatory standpoint, 120 metres is your maximum height um, is that because of, of you're ground gonna, level. That's because you're not going to interfere with a helicopter or a yeah. plane or something like that. Is yeah. that the reason? So they leave, they leave an air gap between manned aviation and drones at the moment until they come up with a way and a way to formulate this inter- interoperable airspace. So the manned aviation operate at 300 metres, I think. And, and does your device tell you how high the plane yep. is, uh, yeah. the drone is, I should say? Yeah. Can someone operate a drone and if, let's say they are 50 metres away from my, me or my house, how good are the cameras? How, how good are the devices yeah. that sit within the, the uh, equipment? The same as your iPhone, if not even better. Um, so 4K, you know, this is all the rage at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd benchmark the everyday recreational drone to be alongside what our iPhones are of today. Right. Yeah. So 100 metres, probably not perfect. You're not going to be able to, you, you no. might be able to zoom in on me, but that's bad. Yeah. Correct. But so, like when you get to that industrial stuff, it's like 30 times zoom. You can zoom in five, 600 meters. It's, but those systems are a lot more expensive. So, in terms of commercial stuff, the stuff yeah. you do, yeah. do you guys get engaged to that type of stuff like vi- yeah. videography? Um, videography, not so much. A lot of our stuff is we, we lean on. Um, so, a lot of inspection work. So I guess when you talk video, photo and video yeah. capture is where you can then throw that video and photo over sorts of AI algorithms and all that kind of stuff to detect all sorts of things. So in concept, yeah, photo and video is very much what we do, but it's all about inspecting and inspecting certain assets. So we've got a drone, for example, that can go into confined spaces. So removing someone to go inside a confined space for, like removing them from gases or all sorts of... Like in a coal mine, for example. Exactly right. So going into those underground environments, it's something that no one really wants to be doing. If you can displace that and put a drone in that environment, um, that's that's how those things are So you can send a drone into a coal mine that might have a bit of um, methane ga- gas in that yeah. you don't want to send any people into. Yeah. And you can fly the drone around and have a look at what's going on. Yeah. You can probably test. You probably have sensors, technology yep. that can test the, the atmosphere as well. Oh, for sure. And there was a there's an interesting project that was going on in far north Queensland where they wanted to detect all the emissions of all the ships that were coming into Australia. So there was a concept that we came up with is take off a drone from our shore, fly it into the plume of the ship um, and sense it just with it's like a it's like a sniffer. So it's similar to like a breathalyzer, so to speak, but specifically for methanes. And is it sending stuff back to you in real time or is yeah. it just storing? So it's on real time. So we've built a software platform that manages this real time connectivity. And when we roll back to the water sampling system, SD card is how it used to work. Now those that technology is over that 5G network if there's 5G enabled or from the computer up to our cloud service, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, what's been the most exciting thing in your journey? Um, I think augmenting like and changing people's way of doing things and like really like augmenting and like quite often someone says what's the most exciting thing but the most exciting thing is every day is different so one day we might be on a beach one day we might be on a mine one day we might be on a farm and you're hearing all these different use cases and for me it's really unlocking and un- un- unboxing those use cases which is the most exciting part for me and one in particular that really comes to light is how we're augmenting like a, a farmer's life right now and what that looks like and drone technology has hasn't even touched the surface with those rural communities and what it can do in those sorts of environments. 
and how it can save 78 days of a farmer's life because he doesn't have to jump in a car and go and inspect the back of a paddock is just like the part that I really get a lot of joy out of myself, yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So again, this was something that was very much grandfathered. I, my dad was um, importing back in the seventies a thing called the Sphere computer, Um, and I pretty much got in the seventies. Yeah, so something called the Sphere computer, the seventies, eighties, and we pretty much took that brand and ran with it. And I just said, hey, can we just chop and change this and built a logo and Sphere drones was what it was because we were mucking around with drones. You got business partners? No. It's just you. Yep. It's your business, yeah. yeah. How many people are you employing? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. And what are they mostly? Uh, well, what, what does it take to become a drone? Op- take to become a drone operator? Is there a course or something? Or yeah, so there's a license to do your. Um, Was it TAFE license? No, it's just a, it's a five day course or two day online sort of um, training, and then you need to submit your manuals and your certificates to the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, and then you go down um, the path of getting the an aviation reference number, which is. Fundamentally, like our driver's license number. So yeah, that, that's how you get sort of licensed. But like, how hard is it to actually learn how to yeah. navigate these things? Well, it's, we talk about autonomous, and these things can pretty much fly themselves. If you've put your 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 children in front of a PlayStation, they can walk their way around a, a yard or whatever it is on the on their gaming device. It's very much exactly the same thing. You're just navigating a drone in an autonomous state. You don't have to worry about stability and all those sorts of things. You it will hold itself to that GPS point until you give it an input. So as soon as you press forward, it'll go forward. As soon as you let go of that, it'll stop. So it's not that complicated. I reckon I can give you a drone tomorrow and you take care of it, no worries. I've tried. I mean, I had, I've had i had small ones and various ones, as I said yeah. at the beginning. But uh, like, you know, I did the stupid thing trying to make it go in my house and yeah. inside my house. It was only a very small one. Yeah. And uh, I crashed about half a dozen times because it was very sensitive. Yeah. Um, like the, you only had to move the slightest amount. Yeah. Would take off, yeah, and uh, it was pretty freaky. This is quite a few years ago when it first came because I love technologies and I was playing around with it. But I, I, I'm actually because I, I have a farm and I'm always thinking to myself, I, I, sometimes I, it could be crap weather or I just can't be bothered. Sometimes it gets too muddy when we get the floods. When we had the floods up in Lismore, um, a lot of times I had my cattle were inaccessible, inaccessible to me, and my oldest son, you know, we'd have to put on big boots, and my, my oldest probably yeah. have to go down and have a look at them, try and find them. Mm. Um, and they always found a way. Well, was, cattle can be a bit stupid sometimes. They'll stand in the water until the water gets up to their 
shoulders and they're not great swimmers, no. cows, because a bit funny sort of shape and um, and you have to go down there and, and yeah. boot them up the arse and get and you can't take a dog down because the dog's yeah. going to drown. So you've got to go down yourself and do it. And I would have thought I thought to myself a few times it would be interesting if I had a drone yeah. um, to go down and check it out for me and see yeah. where the water's up to and what point do I need to get down there and rustle them up the top, back up the top of the hill. Um is that something that you guys do? Like, I mean, do you have do you do that sort of stuff for farmers? Yeah. So, as I said, the agricultural market's really about to get this kick up the backside, um, purely because the technologies can fly longer now. Two thousand fourteen, they're flying for five minutes. Now today, they're flying for forty. So it's batteries, isn't it? I yeah, guess. Yeah. Correct. And we shift into the best part of the next. Five years, you're talking three, four hours worth of flight time, which means like you can get over your hectares, you can get your acres in pretty easily with that. Um, but then what the speed do they go at? Uh, 50, 60 k's yeah. now if you're just beelining it towards yeah. something. That's um, quick because you don't have yeah. potholes and all that other shit you run into when you're driving. You, yeah. Your Hilux or if you're driving your motorbike in particular. Yeah. Drive like because you're not hitting holes. Yeah. And that's exactly right. You're just beelining to a point and you're talking about the ear tags before. Those pieces of data now become like quite pivotal parts of um, this infrastructure that we're building. It's about sending a drone to that location. That location, if you were to put it into layman speak, that's like your address of your home. Like you want to drive to that location and you just draw the line and off the drone goes. And then when it arrives, the sorts of things I can imagine can do it do a head count for you yeah. um, because a tag count, I should say, because yeah. – each animal has a tag in its ear. Yep. Um, it could it could actually get you some video footage because it might you might find that there's a few mothers struggling with calving could yep. be during calving period. Um, and if the calf has been dropped in spots where there's dogs and shit like that, which happens, um, yep. you know, you can sort of maybe then make a beeline out there to sort things out. Um, what other what are the applications that you're seeing? What yep. types of things are you seeing that the ag guys want to use it for? The big ones mustering at the moment, which is like a big like you can use it to muster. There, there, there are applications to muster, yeah. Like and do they throw noise out or something? Or? Yeah, so and this originates from another project similar to the Sydney water thing is we actually mounted a thing called a bird scare underneath a drone once upon a time and fundamentally that was to fly over vineyards to shoo away. Mate, I've had it. I've, uh, cockatoos. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah. They pick the sh- – they go – this is what happens in my place. It was happening. <laughs> we had to do some – had some drastic measures. The cockatoos – cockatoo mob yeah. would send a cockatoo out. Yeah. And the cockatoo would come over my place, making a much friggin' noise. And then, uh, and I'd be, he'd come out first. Or it, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but he'd come out first. And then it would sit on my tennis court and it would call the other cockatoos. They'd all come over to my tennis court and they'd go down to the court and they'd pick out of the, the fake grass on the court yeah. the yellow oh. line on the tennis court. They pick, actually, I don't know what they thought it was, but they would sit there picking it out so they actually ruined my tennis court. Actually picked it all out. And uh, so we, someone said, oh, you got to get a gas gun. It's not a gun. It's, it sort of makes a loud noise and that frightens the shit out of them. But that worked. And then the cockatoos, the head cockatoo worked out. There was no danger. Yeah. They, just, they just kept, they kept coming back to me uh, back, yeah. back and forth. Like the, I never – in the end, they went and picked on someone else so they realised there's nothing left in my joint and they went to the boat next door, I guess. But – I always wondered how you get rid of them. So yeah. a drone would be good, yeah. Because it, what? Tell me, what, like, what do you do? So it's um. So obviously for us as as humans, we're quite sensitive to all sorts of different acoustic noises, right? And it's fundamentally a it's a speaker with the capability of shooting all different acoustic noises. What we did was we designed a, a mount for this thing underneath the drone, and we're just flying the drone over vineyards, um, in the similar way as to a drone would survey 
a yeah. plot of land, so it would go up, up down, down yeah. up, down, up, down, but use that form of control to then send this disturbingly loud. Could be an eagle's, a noise of an eagle or something yeah. like that. and you can change it. Like there's probably like 10, 15 different um, programmatic audio files. It could be singing an Elvis song. Yeah, if you really want. Um, and, yeah, and that's how that's how that would work. And the, the, the whole concept is around deterring pests that could destroy your court. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny, last year my olive grove, uh, quite a lot of olive trees up there, and um, a guy came with a drone and sprayed them. So, like you just said, he went up and down yep. in, in in all the rows of the olive trees and just sprayed them with something because we had a bug in them, some sort of yeah. sort of virusy type thing. Yeah. So we sprayed them with something and we did it all yeah. through drone technology. Yeah. And it was actually much cheaper. I mean, it cost me a bit of money, but I worked when I worked out how much it would cost for my guys to put the the big the container on the truck and then Off stop at each one and pump it out and you know yeah. it, and it's just a hassle and I could have used yeah. and I was better off using the, the staff to do other things for me because there's many things happening at once and the drone guy in the end I worked out it was a third of the cost yeah and it's not only that it's also traditionally traditional spraying is just spray everything but sometimes mm. you don't need to spray everything there's this concept called spot spraying so I was, I was actually this morning with a family friend of mine they own a property down in Wagga they've got They've got um, blueberries or blackberries in the back of the, the paddock um, and they want to get rid of them, but it's only in a select area. So you can identify that select area and go and spray just that area. Um, but, yeah, it's the spraying application is quite hot at the moment because spraying season between September and April is is really, really good for all sorts of different crop diseases. So yeah, yeah. And, that, yeah, and that's what the other reason we use is sort of precisely that. We could get to the top of the tree, yeah, and we could spray down. Yeah, it's actually better than spraying up. Yeah, because and the spray gets on your your staff. They got they got to walk around with goggles and bloody yeah. things across their face and cut the cover hazmat sort of material. Mm. Not, not we weren't spraying, you know, really bad, but it was yeah. still no one wants to be breathing this shit in. Of course, and the, but there's a drone and who cares? Yeah. It's just a drone. Yeah. yeah, and the drone the drone has obviously four motors that are pushing that. Down. Pesticide down. Yeah, um, and then I guess the other thing also is like there's there's a there's a product in the same product line that actually and passes pellets down. So if you want to feed, if you want to lay feed out as well, is also another option as well. Maybe six or seven years ago, Amazon put out a, a mad video on YouTube of them delivering parcels to people's homes. Yeah, they're talking about the you know the way the Internet of Things was going to change parcel deliveries in the world, not in Australia, but in the world. It was around about the same time they were talking about. Um, Cars driving themselves, etc. Everybody sort of latched onto it, and uh, all of a sudden, I, I, a few retailers used it to show how they could deliver a hamburger or something to some place in Kansas. And I thought about the application here in Australia. Um, do you think that we will ever be getting deliveries? Yeah, it will happen. Um, I to see the way. The concept of um, there's a couple of things. The concept of swarming, like sending multiple drones out from a base and being able yep. to do a couple of things, does allow those sorts of things. And there's some fantastic use cases that are occurring over in the US. I think for us here locally in Australia, the one the one inhibitor of allowing and enabling that is a our infrastructure and b our regulation. Like our, the question that I'd have is like, where on every property will you deliver? And it can't be the same position on every property because every property is different. Yeah. So I feel that there's a there's an element of um, upgrade to some of our infrastructure like our homes 
so to speak. But then also it's like where are these drones being um, set out and how are they going to be? Are they going to be on top of our buildings? And you look look in our CBDs, every one of those buildings, if you want to send a file from one property to the other property, how's that going to happen and what what's that going to engage with? There's a concept where you have uh, an Uber-like service that is on your road um, and the drone itself it acts as the full mile and then the last mile delivery is actually still that Don't person. Yeah. Correct. Um, so it's like having a car that has an opening, the drone lands in that opening, the delivery driver takes that and actually just drops off at your door. So there's ways around and I feel that's through modes like that that will enable that, but regulation is also the other one. Um, flying beyond the way the, the I can see. Um, noise as well. We all have issues with construction around our homes. Hearing a drone every two minutes come and land because the next-door neighbour wants an ice cream, It's just it starts becoming yeah. quite troublesome. So I think there's restrictions and a bit more adoption there, but it will happen. It's just going to take time. In 2015, I released a video on YouTube. I designed and answered this. So I designed a box. It would only work in a person's if you've got a house as opposed to apartment building. The box had a sensor on the top and we relied on um, solar power. But on top of the box was a, a beacon which actually the drone could come towards and as the as the box detected the drone's approach and the drone, by the way, knew where the box was because yep. it's all mapped out, the, the lid opened up and the drone descended onto the box and yep. put it in the lid closed down. I did a YouTube video on it and uh, everyone thought I was mad but... I don't know why I did it, but I actually designed the box and I took that box to uh, an exhibition. It's called the um, International, I can't remember what it's called, Ice. You know, I can't remember still, but it was in London and I put it on display. I bought it to a kiosk. I displayed it and um, what I was thinking, I don't know why I did it, but anyway, I, did, I never sold, never went anywhere. How far do you reckon we're away from these sort of super mega trendy, mega trends in relation yeah. to how we live our lives. Yeah, well, th- those systems is, isn't, again, we roll back to where we first started with this conversation, isn't someone sitting behind a stick. It's a programmatic design yeah. where you're going from A to B. Those technologies are available now and it can happen today. The only issue is is the regulation around flying over people's houses or 30 metres from people, places and buildings and having those approvals like noise. What about if they just fly down the highways, the freeways well, or the roads? I've got this concept that I, I foresee that our drone aerospace, you take every single road in Sydney and you just transplant that up that at 120 metres. Yeah, yeah, totally. That makes sense because it's, no, it's, no, it's less noisy than a car. Yeah. So if I, I'm living on New South Wales Road, I can't complain yeah. because there's a car – Exactly. Coming up there anyway, 24 hours a day. So, or a truck or something like that. So it's no, it's no more noise than that. I, I get it when they say, I don't want it flying over my house. house. Yeah. But if they're just following the grid, yeah. the road grid, street yeah. grids, that makes sense to me. And that's, I, I feel that in the next five years, we'll see traction. And I even reckon earlier, the next two and a half years, we'll see traction with some of this stuff in select areas. That's yeah. cool. So, how do you feel? How does your father feel? Is your grandfather still alive? Papu? My grandfather, my papu passed away the day we bought our warehouse in Alexandria, but he, my grandmother always reinforces it. He'd be so proud. So. She's still around? Oh, yeah. And she so- comes to the office every day. Dad loves it. And he, every opportunity he gets to get involved, he's like, yep, let's go. I'll, I'll take lead. And um, my ER every day, my grandmother, she she comes into the office between 12 and 1 o'clock and says hello, or brings a coffee and and is always walking up. And I might even be on a meeting and she comes in and I might be in a meeting with a customer. She comes in and kisses me and I've got to say, sorry, guys, it's my grandmother. <laughs> she, she's been coming since day dot. Um, but she's extremely proud and, yeah, the family's over the moon. And what do you think the out. difference is between the way you run the business, though, maybe compared to the way your dad would have run the business? 
Oh, Biggest dad, challenge. Dad and I will go head to head over this conversation, but he um, it's very much handshake versus commercial now. Like obviously we're starting to work with a lot more of the enterprise, um, but I think it's also a generational thing. Um, the verbal confirmation, um, I think with my dad's, your generation, dad's generation was was probably. Hey, he's up, he's, he's up. up. <laughs> well, it's, I probably am your dad's age. We go on. Yeah, but I feel that like that was very much like you've got my word. This is what it is. You've got my commitment. Whereas now, I feel that there's a there's a lot more of a commercial engagement, especially when you start working with like compliance and regulation and those sorts yeah. of complexities. Well, that requires something more than handshake. So if the regulator yeah. walks in, he wants to see where it's documented. Exactly right. And and if and uh, he or she and if, and also, um, if you don't supervise things properly, then you can lose your license really quickly. Yeah. They're looking for reasons to to penalise. Yeah, yeah, always is always looking for reason to penalise yeah. you in some way, shape, or form. And the best way to take it to do that is to take your license away, suspend it for a period of time, which would kill your yeah. business. Is that the biggest? What about people in terms of putting people in, into the business? Yeah, we're lucky. We're in this industry that's just everyone just loves it. Everyone wants to get involved in some way or the other. We we, I feel like other industries, some industries might struggle with that, but like I don't feel that we've got that issue because it's something that's up and coming. It's new. It's changing people's lives. It's cool. It's cool. It's augmenting ways jobs have been done for years. It's it's bringing something new to someone's life. So we don't really have an issue in that sense. Is it hard to get employees? No, but I guess the Get good ones. The, the the thing with employment um, that I'm finding is that you want people that are alongside and on that same vision as to what you got, and I don't have an issue with that. the 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 thing that we've got issues with is like we've been in this COVID environment, working from home, and I feel like bringing everyone together, especially when we start talking about a drone and a robot and things, seeing things fly, is really really important. So that's just a flexion point in amongst our day to day that we've got constantly. For us as a business, flexible working is obviously completely cool, but I think for us it's all about like bringing people together, demonstration product, like the demonstration of the product that's making sure that everyone's in the office for those sorts of things. But as time progresses, we've got a team in Sydney, we've got a team in Perth, some team members in remote in Brisbane and in Melbourne. Bringing together once a quarter is something that we've really tried to do, but that's not even possible. Physically together? Yeah, physically together once a quarter, or me physically seeing them once a quarter with product or with a demonstration um, is something that we know. But at least once a year as a complete group is something that we're really trying to do. What about supply chain problems in terms of getting drones? Um, so there's a range of different suppliers of the technology based on the use case and the application of it. Um, Switzerland, there's a, f- a lot of fantastic tech coming out of Switzerland, um, a lot of great tech coming out of the US. China is an obvious one um, on that side. Is that is China tech or, or, or better value tech, like in other words, um, cheaper? It's, it's better value but probably like if we have a look at one of the big staple drone manufacturers, they're coming out of China at the moment. Um, their price point for products unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then when you start looking at applications that want to adopt this technology, agriculture is looking for like the cheapest low-cost entry method to market. So it's almost very difficult for us to avoid that conversation, but there is equivalence in other markets for sure. I presume the farmers want to own it and they want to know how to yeah. use it or do they bring you in? Yeah, see, our business model with this whole automation piece is because it's actually quite a complex task with compliance. You don't want your farmer to have to get their pilot's license, their licensing certificates and have to manage all the record-keeping side of things. Our business model is to deliver it as a service. Um, you call up, you say, I want to check the rear of my property. Yep, sure, no worries. Here's your report at 7 p.m. every night. They don't want to have to worry about the drone and the robot anymore. Someone told me that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but someone told me that um, local councils in big catchment areas like, you mm-hmm. know, for example, Lismore or something like that, um, 
they send drones up and they fly it over people's properties. It might have a couple hundred acres and they fly it over and make sure you haven't built something that you didn't yeah. get approval for. And do, do they use AI technology to determine uh, that's, that would have been trees yeah. six months ago because that's the, the, we already have, we did a survey yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And that section there was treed. Yeah. Um, now the technology, the yeah. AI can say there's no trees there. Yeah. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. Do they use AI? Yeah. So I guess the, the technology is just, it's checking what it was before versus what it was. Yeah. And that's a concept of AI. Um, swimming pools is another one exactly yeah, like good that. One, yeah. So checking out there's, there's a mandate to put fences yep. along the swimming yep. pool. So, yep. There's also like the last year in amongst Lismore, Southeast Queensland, there was a, a the flood yep. relief um, concept. So now there's work that's been conducted with one of the government organisations and we're looking at how we're providing transparency as to true or false, um, are, they, are you affected or are you not affected and providing transparency around the claim. Yeah, so so speak. and people make applying for grants and all sorts of things. Yeah, and there's last year alone there was something like 30,000 claims that were denied and now 750-odd claims that are, and the reason why I know is because I'm looking at the business case myself at the moment, 750 that are under criminal investigation. Yeah. So it's like how so can fraud, you – fraudulently, corruptly claimed. Yeah, so how can you provide some transparency around that and the average claim amount something like $12,000. Yeah. And there was – $10 million worth of claims that are under question right now. So providing transparency to that is something that's... That's pretty, that's pretty important. And, and I guess um, the big one, I mean, I don't know if you've been following, I guess you would be just out of curiosity if nothing else, is the drones are coming out of Iran and being flown by the Russians over, allegedly over Ukraine. These swarms. Um, yeah. Have you been following that stuff? I have been. Um, yeah. There's a what fan, do you reckon? There's, a, there's an Australian company that's gone in there with a cardboard aeroplane, so to speak, um, called Cypac, um, and they've built and designed a system that they've sold into the Ukraine. Um, a cardboard. It's, it's built out of cardboard, like single use is the whole concept yep. because you don't know what's going to happen. But what's it do? A, uh, it flies over and it's got a camera on it. Uh, uh, intelligence uh, collection. It and it's yeah, intelligence like intelligence capture. Um, what about these these Fleets is uh, uh, drones. Yeah. Like they like they come out like a mob of birds. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. That, what what do I think? Yeah, what do you reckon? Oh, I think it, like from a technology perspective, yeah, yeah. it's quite impressive because it's like you're deploying multiple systems. How do they at do once. it? With it? I, mean, like, I mean, if you're flying one, I get it. But yeah. like, how, how do they fly? I don't know, 500 of these bloody things. You set 500 cars up with Google Maps and you want to go to 500 different locations, same thing. Wow. So it's like put 500 pins on a map and then connect those pins to 500 drones in a computer setting. It's like building a group message on Facebook. Same right. same, same theory, right? Yeah, so yeah. like one message to 500 people, off they go. And yeah. I guess you have a look at our world around us, it's all built up by GPS, right? Yeah. Um, your home, your bus stops, every single farm stake that's in around your perimeter, your property perimeter. So it's like we're, we're using methods and means as to what's already in our infrastructure. Um, but, yeah, doing it at scale is the most interesting part around what the future has to offer. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. It's a pretty it's a pretty um, fast-moving environment um, technologically. Um, yeah. It needs young people like you to be sort of enthused by it, which you are. And, uh, and I reckon it's a really cool story, the three generations Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.